Good morning, everyone. Dr. Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist here. Happy to be present with you to continue to bring you podcasts and recordings that can fill your commute time, your self-care time, and inspire you with high performers from around the world, those who give back, who care about mental health and communities, and about generally have tips that I think that can give to you uh, maybe inspire a new direction this year, a new area of thinking, a new attitude, a new habit that might help you move a little bit closer to happiness and fulfillment in the relationships you have. Today's guest is E.A. Sokovitz. He is the founder of Givers University. We'll be talking about what it means to be in a givers community and the difference between givers and takers communities and which one are you in and what advice he has to share with you as our listener. E.A. Sokovitz was born in 1956 in Chicago, Illinois. He started at 16 his business career on a commission sales job. He moved on to work for a millionaire, Sam Robbins, in Detroit, Michigan, and began getting mentored by Mr. Robbins. He began working at the House of Holland Jewelers in the diamond business. He established a private grant meant to be part of Sam's legacy due to a lifelong fight with diabetes. He went on over the next 45 years to create health and wellness, nutritional food and drinks. He has been the chairman of the House of Holland Jewelers at 21 years old, started and operated Columbia Nutritional Systems. He has started and operated Delta International, including a workforce of 33,000. He's hosted a business radio talk show. He has been a public speaker and trainer, including a national training company enlisted in the who's who. And he's got a mortgage business. He has authored weekly newsletters in 20 countries and distribute products in 20 countries worldwide. He was a millionaire since the age of 23. Without further ado, be welcoming in E.A. Sokovitz. Welcome to the show, E.A. Thank you so much for making time on it for Richard Listens and all of our community. Thank you, Richard, for having me on your great show and look forward to sharing with your listeners and hopefully uh, share with them some great nuggets that have been shared with me over the years. Yes. So, I mean, a millionaire by age 21, the who's who of public speaking. I'm humbled to be in your presence. Maybe well, I need I, to take a course. Uh, I appreciate maybe. all those kind things, but, uh, you know, no matter how long someone reads my bio, it's never as long as my last name. So I got a lot to do. <laughs> do you have envy when someone's name is like Ron Jones and you're like, you're so spoiled. You have no idea. You know, when someone says your first name and my name, you know, EA is actually my first and middle initial. And because of the Whopper last name, which is Solkovitz, and someone sees that C and it throws them off. They see that, you know, they go, how the heck do you do CS, you know? And you know, the funny thing also, just as a side note, it's a weird thing. If someone says, what's your last name? And if I say it first, before I spell it, no matter what I say, they put the S in front of the C. It's the funniest thing. It's just like a weird human nature thing of how we hear something that sort of overrides what we actually do. So I learned over the years, I say, well, what's your last name? And if I could tell we're writing something down, we're going to spell it. I say, I'll start by spelling it. It starts with a C and I'll wait till they make the C. And then I go SOL. So I, I saw your last name. I said, man, I'm like this guy. I got it. I got it. I got it. So it's those, those Eastern European roots. That we exactly share. right. Yeah, there you go, buddy. There you go. 
Tell us a little bit how you got started and your background. Happy and to. Start working at a 16 young age, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm actually from Chicago. I live in Michigan. Father was a milkman. And uh, back then, you know, he uh, milk was in glass containers, glass jugs, you know, glass gallon. I have and, the uh, door on my yeah, house. The yeah, milk yeah. Slot. Well, and, and, well, and then we had the milk, the milk box, the milkman box. And you know what was funny, Richard, was that I remember specifically, you know, almost all the houses had milk boxes, right? You put the milk, and there was always money in the milk box, and no one, and I mean no one ever touched it. Not one time. Different times, right? Not one time did anyone touch the milkman. That was milkman money. You didn't touch that, you know. And, and I have fond memories of helping my father at ripe old age of five years old, you know. He had his one delivery truck for Twin Oaks Dairy out of Chicagoland area. When I was 16 years old, I took the first step in becoming pro uh, prosperous, became a janitor. Now, I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. <laughs> so at 60, I had two extraordinary events happen when I was a janitor. The first was I was able to be bonded, which means insured. So, you know, if I was cleaning a place and my buffer hit up against some piece of equipment, insurance company would pay for it. That also allowed me to be in expensive places, expensive homes as well, because of being bonded. So every Wednesday, and I mean every Wednesday, I cleaned the home of a lady who, when I say her name, your listeners, it won't mean anything to them until I make the movie rough. There was a movie a, a couple years ago that was out, and it was about McDonald's. It was called The Founder. Uh, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. And I and, and, and I lived in that area. I lived in a greater Oakbrook area. So in my lifetime, I witnessed and saw firsthand the whole phenomenon. And, and in the beginning of that movie, it says based on a true story. And that's true. It's based on a true story, but it's not the true story. I mean, it's... It's Hollywood spin, you know, and dramatized. And Ray wasn't really the way he's shown and portrayed. You know, I, I personally know all that true. But there's a lady that Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. And he, he's talking to this lady outside of his office during the whole movie. And he says, June this, June this, June that. Her name is June Martino. That lady is the lady whose house I cleaned every Wednesday. And when I met her, she had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's. She was the first woman to ever trade on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Extraordinary lady. And one day when I was in cleaning her house, she, the time was right and approached her, approaching the, the icon, June Martino, because everyone in the area knew who she was, you know. And uh, you know, McDonald's World Headquarters is right there and was for decades and decades. It's not now, but it was then. And she told me how Ray influenced her life. The term wasn't used. I didn't know what a mentor was. She never said mentor, but that's really what she talked about on how he influenced her and helped her in so many different ways. And I remember thinking, man, if I could just find a Ray Kroc, I'm a burnt out janitor, son of a milkman, you know. My my idea of a good time is getting free songs on a jukebox when I'm cleaning a bowling alley at two in the morning. I don't even know what I don't know. You know, I all I know is I don't know it. It's just that simple, right? And I and I remember thinking to myself, man, if I could, where's my Ray Kroc? Just find someone that could bring me under their wing and sort of teach me all these things. Because dad didn't know it. He was, you know, one man operation delivering milk, you know, and janitors, you know, what's that? So anyway, about two or three months later, we got a phone call at the office. This man was in from Michigan and was opening a diamond store and wanted to see some carpets. I went over, talked with him about that, good carpeting. Never sold many carpeting because we had the wrong kind. He wanted something real plush for a diamond store. And, you know, we just had office, the fog, commercial grade. And he offered me a job and I did start work. The interesting thing was that I didn't know at that time, I was genuinely speaking with a puritanical genius, not 
I don't believe in the IQ BS, you know, and the reason why is I've met too many educated idiots in my life. All the book knowledge and they can spew it all at you, but zero execution and implementation skill. They, they don't know how to implement any of it and they've never done it, right? Uh, they just know, they just read it in a book and therefore, you know, that's why I always disagree with people that knowledge is not power, never was. Applied knowledge, power, not knowledge. Simply knowing something doesn't empower you at all. Just that information, right? Good point. So, I met many people with multiple PhDs working on psych units, unfortunately. Yeah, I bet you did. I bet you did. And they, and, and they don't know how to implement. They don't know how to execute. So anyway, here I was talking with this guy. And I, man, this really, he, he is really something. I mean, you know. And to show you what an amazing man he was, I, I, I'd like to share a story about his life that he shared with me because it impacted me and, and, and set the stage for what I did later on. He told me about, his name was Sam Robin. He became the father I never had, even though I had a father, and I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. We were that close. And he told me about growing up in the Great Depression era and how literally, you know, people were jumping off of buildings because they lost fortune. Uh, multi-mile long soup kitchen lines, literally multi-mile long, you know, just to get food. He told me that no one had any money. He said, and, and everyone was, you know, trying to get food. He said, for some of their meals, they even ate cardboard. So you think, oh, God, you know, I mean, just. And so he, he told me about he would go by this store every day and he saw the same guy standing sort of in the back of the store. And it was a store filled with sewing machines, never anyone in and out or anything else. So he just stopped in one day, just didn't do anything. And they didn't, he, he wasn't working. And, and obviously the guy inside was standing around. So he started talking with him. Turns out he was the owner of the store. And uh, so my business mentor says, I don't see any customers. People want to eat. They don't have money for sewing machine. That's right. and uh, he said, I don't need. I can't even afford any employees. He said, I had to let them all go. It's just me. That's it. And all these paid for sewing machines. So my business mentor had this flash, in his, and he said, How about if I helped you sell some of these sewing? And the guy said, What do you have in mind? You know, I'm open. And he said, Well, how about if we set up something where people could buy them on payment instead of paying for the whole thing? He said, And I'll back the sewing machine. He said, We can split the payments together. And he said, I'll back sewing machines. So if they walk for it, you'll never be out any money. He said, I'll stand behind it. And uh, the guy said, man, go for it. You know, right now they're just collecting dust. And uh, so then the next thing he did was he put together a flyer and circulated this flyer all over for women to work from home. He said he could not keep up with the response because everyone needed money and no one was hiring. <clears throat> so all these, and he put together this huge community of women and they all bought a sewing machine and he put them on in their, like their own little sewing machine business. And he provided them, they bought the sewing machine on payments. He provided them with the patterns. He provided them with the material to make the clothing. He guaranteed that he would buy the clothing from them, thus guaranteeing their income, thus guaranteeing they could make the payments on the sewing machine. Then when he bought the clothing from them, he then sold it to stores as high quality, dramatically reduced and discounted handmade clothing that the car, the store owner could then sell the customers as high quality clothing at a huge discount. So in one year's time, Richard, people are jumping off a building, multi-mile long soup. He earned $1 million. Wow. And that's in 
depression era money. You know, it's got to be over 10 million today easily, right? And that was the kind of man this guy was, you know what I mean? Just, and, and I took a look at that and I remember him telling me the story. And then I, I revisited that story of how he went through and systemically solved each one of the person's problem. The sewing machine guy, you know, he had collecting dust on sewing machines. Uh, uh, women who work from home built this huge community of women working together, solved the problem for uh, the business owners who, you know, needed good quality clothing, but be able to sell at a huge discount because no one had money and the customers solved all those problems uh, for people. And as a result benefited. And when I was 19 years old, while he was mentoring me, uh, I asked him the big question. And that was, I said, Sam, teach me anything and everything. I want to know it all. And he said, okay, I will. But I want one thing from you. When the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach many people as you can, everything. Touch. And so at 19 years old, Richard, I made a vow. I made it to my mentor. And that today has become what we now know as Give Reverse. Wow. So his, his lessons, his impact on you has lasted your entire career. Because of his, you know, his health and you know, eating habits, he had an extreme case of diabetes, took his life early decades ago. And, but I still feel like he's like looking over my shoulder watching me. You know, are you still, you made your vow. You remember that promise, you know? And so I, I've got to keep delivering, you know, which I'm happy to do. So, and I thought about, you know, that he taught me about the importance of relationships with people. And, and I, I made so many cavernous takes, Richard. I mean, you know, I have three huge, huge, I call them my three huge biggest temporary defeats where, you know, fortunes were coming in in my life and out of my life and into my life and out of my life. Learning about one of the most important things in life that he taught, and that was how to discern who we should have in our life and who we shouldn't. I've done about 150 interviews with different podcasts since last April. And I can tell you, no one is teaching. No one is teaching how do you discern your relationships. You know where I'm a self-improvement geek. I know you are. You're an avid workout. Yeah, I mean, you work on your thought process and self-improvement's important. I am too. But no one's teaching us, Richard. How about the other guy? What if he's not doing it right? What should I do about that? And no one's teaching Correct. us that part, you know? And we always hear about people of all kinds of levels of success, but their inner circle is either taken from them or doesn't have the same ethic and, and what happens then. That's exactly right. And uh, so we, what we do is we simply put what we teach, and that's sort of, you know, what, talking about communities. First of all, I tell and I share emphatically, Richard, with all of your listeners, we love everybody. Say it emphatically again. We love everybody. And we teach people how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not. And by observing their deeds, not listening to what they're saying, uh, by observing their deed, watching what, and we even teach checklists. We have actual checklists and one is called the 25 do's. It's actually the 25 things you should be observing that people do. And from those 25 things, now you can begin to discern, should I bring them closer into my life and have them be a part of my giver community? Or because of what I'm watching and observing, should I begin respectfully, not rude or insensitive, should I begin respectfully distancing myself from them? Because if I bring them closer, they're going to make me collateral damage. And I'm going to be stomping out fires not of my making. My productivity is going out the window. My stress level is going through the ceiling. And I ask your listeners, <clears throat> think about the times when you feel like you're stomping out fires during the day. Think about the times when your stress level goes up. I submit you many of those instances will have a name attached. 
but no one's teaching us how do we discern? What do we look for? What should we watch? And it's a skill. It's a skill that can be taught. Watch these actual deeds they're doing and then decide, should I bring them in or should I be respectfully distancing? And then your productivity is protected. Your productivity goes up. Your stress level goes down. And all of that is how we build, which is what we teach people. How do you build your own givers community around you? And how do you do that by using this? I know you have uh, seven steps for building a real givers community. You teach and you speak about the difference between giving a giver and a taker and what it's like to be a part of a giver and a taker's community and to decipher which one you're in right now. For sure. First, with, with your listeners, the, the word community, I've watched it change meanings, you know, and I, and I could use this as an example for your listeners. You know, years ago, if I went to a meeting, that meeting would be called a diet, spelled D-I-E-T. That me if I went to a meeting, that meeting was a diet. They, that was the name of it, right? And then late years later, spelled the same way, D-I-E-T. If I received a an allowance or a stipend, that was called an, a diet. I received a regular diet. It was actually an allowance, right? And then later on, as I was growing up, if diet meant eating habits, it was the way that you ate. Today, when you say diet, it means weight loss. So spelled the same way through all of those years, totally different meanings. And I submit to your listeners, we've seen the same thing happen with the word community. See if this rings true. Have you had recently someone online or somebody talked to join our community and then within hour of joining the community, they're already trying to sell you something? That's a customer hit list, you know, and they just did bait and switch. I've been pulled in. You know, why'd you do the bait and switching? Why don't you just tell me what it was? I can decide then if I want to be a, learn about your products or whatever. But why call the community when it's not? And I refer to these as taker community. And these are communities that have been developed specifically to make money off of or take something from you, right? That's a taker community. Now, by contrast, the giver community, totally different. Set up the whole intention is different. And there's two primary parts that I could call like the foundation of, and, and this is for your listeners who want to build their own giver community. These are important things that my mentor taught me. One, he said, you know, and I, here I am at late teens. And he said, let me teach you about this thing that's called the scale of life. Okay, well, what's that? He said, we're going to call it the giver scale of life. And here's the way this works. On the right side are all the things you're going to get in your life, all the things you're going to receive. He said, on the left side, all the things you're going to give and contribute. He said, here's what's amazing about the scale. It's never out of balance. Even if it seems like it for a, a, a nanosecond, he said, it rebalances itself all the time. He said, so how do you make the scale work for you? Real simple. And he said, what I'm going to say is in the beginning, it won't be that easy. Forget about all the stuff you're going to get and focus all your attention on heaving so much on the left side, the giving side of the scale. And your job and goal is to try to get that scale out of balance by putting so much on that side that the other side is automatically there. And I can share with you by doing that, that was one of the reasons why at 23, I was blessed to be a millionaire. And when I was 33 years old, it was the first year I earned a million dollars in salary. After I paid taxes, I had a million dollars in my pocket in one year at 33, all because of what I just got through telling you. Now, some this could concept say, is really important. I know it's a foundation of a lot of spiritual teachings about, you know, yes. tithe and giving back. But as a young man, to hear that, that you need to focus more on what you give. 
Yeah. So what was that like for you? Was he was right. He said it's going to be hard in the beginning, and it was. It was a challenge because my teens, I'm wired about it's all about the money, you know, and I want to make as much money and I want to get on with it, you know, and all that kind of thing. I'm going to live forever, you know, all the, you know, all those things that you think when you're in your late teens, right? And, and it was a little bit of a challenge, but over time I worked on it with his constant prodding and his constant mentoring and being there and reminding me, remember, it's not about what you're receiving. It's about what you're giving because, and here's something, a real critical part. He said, when you're a giver, people will take advantage of, expect it. He said, but here's the part no one hears or knows about. It's the second half of the sentence. He said, when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you, expect it. But you're never diminished because they did. They are diminished because they did. That's the key, he said. Remember, you're not diminished because they took advantage of you. They're diminished because they took advantage of you. And he said, because of the giver's life scale, because your focus and your attention was putting all of that on that left side, he said the scale will balance itself. It always does from another person, another event, another circumstance, usually very unexpected, but it's always there. And so that's called the giver scale of life. And it's a critical part of the mindset when we form a community. You want to have people of the same mind, people of the same mindset. That's really critical. The second thing is even today, Richard, this one, I'm astonished. I really, truly am. My mentor came to me one day and at this point, you know, we were 50, 50 partners in multiple business ventures and uh, his health was deteriorating and to my house and he said, I'd like to propose. I said, okay. And I looked up and he had that look in his eye and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be, it was like a special sparkle. And I thought, oh boy, he's, this is going to be something. I knew that look, right? And he said, I would like to propose that we compete against you. He said, oh, I got to remember, we're 50-50 partner. He said, I would like to propose the following. He said, I would like to propose that we peak in each year to see who can make the other one more money. And the loser has to buy the winner anything they ask for or want. And I said, like, what? No price tag? Yeah. I said, no price tag. I said, oh, man, this is good. I said, okay, let me make sure I understand this before I agree. I want to make sure I got what you're talking about here. Hmm. I said, so what you're saying, Sam, is that we're going to compete year by year. And if you make me more money than I made you, right, then I lose because you made me more money. Then you get to ask me for anything you want and I have to buy. He said, yeah. And I said, conversely, if I make you more money than you made me, you lose. And I get to ask you for anything I want and you have to buy it. Said, yeah, that's right. I said, uh, I even remember the deep breath I took. And I said, <laughs> I, said, I, said I said, okay. And in we went. Well, Richard, first year, he beat me so bad it wasn't even funny. And I paid cash for a house for him in Florida cashed out the house. Now, I couldn't be mad. I had the money and he had made me more money than I made him. But I got to tell you, I thought to myself, man, I got to get smart quick. This is going to be brutal. <laughs> I'm going to figure this out fast, right? And then the next year I did win. And then he bought me a plane and that's when I became a commercial pilot. The next year wow. he bought me a, he bought me a limousine. And then the next year he bought me another plane, a sex. So I had two aircraft. And, and then after that, we just sort of started carrying it on. And then it hit me what he had really done. Unbeknownst to me until I look back, man, this guy is something. He knew, Rich, he wasn't going to be able to keep up with. Me. We were 50 50 partners, splitting everything the same. And that physically, I was in my 30s, and he was not going to be able to keep up with me. Schedule, time, contribution to the companies, and his health was deteriorating. 
He wanted me to win. He didn't want my mind to get messed up. You know, I was putting in more effort than he was and we were getting the same thing out of it, right? And it's split into 50-50. So, so my mind wouldn't get goofed up. He wanted me to win, to have that one thing every single year that he wasn't getting. And I thought, what kind of man comes up with that? What kind of person plays that forward in their head, can crafts that kind of scenario, knowing up front that he's going to lose, why he's doing it, and why it's going to benefit everything that we're working on together. And that was the kind of man he was. And subsequently then, started calling that the giver's contest intention. And when someone's been putting together their own giver community, and I, if I may, I'd like to share different kinds of communities and how we build those and get into those seven steps that we talked about, if I could. Yes, please. And one of those is what we call the giver's contest intention, right? There's a book out, been out for a long time. It's called uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon. Excellent book. Napoleon does an excellent, masterful job explaining the mastermind concept. I have seen mastermind groups come together and then within like two or three months, they sort of dissipate. They just sort of go by the wayside. You know, and they, they come together with a good idea, but then they just sort of fall apart. And I always wonder, why did they fall apart? And I realized Napoleon did an excellent job of explaining what it was. And it was very novel at the time, that's for sure. But he doesn't really explain how do you do it? You know, I mean, what's the details granularly? What do you, you know, how do you put it together? And so I thought, boy, that would really be a huge thing to help people with. And how do you do that? How do you put that together step by step? So first of all, we call them givers juntos. A givers community is a givers junto. And with a givers junto, it is designed for each member to compete to see if they can contribute more than they're getting out of it. And all of the members have a an agreement up front, an expectational agreement that they are going to do the same thing. Otherwise, they don't get in. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about that if I can. A junto, basically, by definition, is a group of people getting together for a common. It's actually a word from the 1600s, Spanish word. Wasn't used too much. 1800s, 1727, actually. Benjamin Franklin picked it up, and he formed a group of 12 friends. He called them the Mutual Improvement Club. Later on, he called it junto. Later on, he called it the Leather Apron Club. And he met with these group of 12 total friends every Friday for a couple of hours. And you know what's interesting about it is that our very declaration of independence can arguably be traced back to the conversation he had. Wow. No one can tell me that a junto cannot have huge power capability. So we teach three different kinds of juntos and we teach people how to set up their own junto. We want them to, we teach them how to do it. So the first one's called the Giver's Greater Junto. This is a worldwide group of people. There's no number on it. Uh, a good example might be maybe the Salvation Army, VFW, Lions Club, you know, where they have chapters worldwide, right? That, that's a Giver's Greater Junto. The next would be a Giver's Insider Junto, more consisting of maybe two to 12 members, a little more intimate group, a little more close-knit group. Ben Franklin's Leather Apron Club would be a good example. The next would be the giver's millionaire junto. This is a, a junto of two to 12 vetted millionaires who are a close-knit group all getting together in order to uh, accomplish some greater good. A good example of that, other than certainly my business mentor myself, because that's what we had. Um, in 1915, Henry Ford actually started his own junto. Uh, consisted of him, 
Thomas Edison, the inventor, Harvey Firestone for Firestone Tires, John Burroughs, who was a writer and poet. Also, uh, he was a federal bank exam, so he must have been the money. But anyway, it was just sort of interesting. I thought, federal bank exam. And Henry Ford named their Junto the Four Vagabonds. And they used to travel together and uh, and actually got to be known. So other people were trying to hitch a ride with their travels. And then they started meeting a little bit more privately again after. But that would be a good example of a millionaire's Junto, if you will. And so the important part of a Junto is that, number one, there has to be these agreements up front. Here's what's expected. If we don't agree on these things up front, then it's not a good fit for you. No problem. We love you. It's all great. It's just not for you. That's okay. No problem, you know. And so I want to go through those seven steps, which are so critical. And how do you form the Junto, right? And by the way, on our on, on our uh, our YouTube channel, it's just Givers University, one word. We actually have two minute clips. And if they look for the playlist, the, the public playlist that says uh, how to form your Givers community or your Giver Junto, in two minute increments, it walks people through step by step. Here's what you do to form your own Givers Junto in two minute clip. We want it. We want people to watch it. The benefits are going to get in their life are going to be extraordinary. So here's the seven steps. It spells out an acronym word and the word is discern because of what we teach, right? So the D-I-S-C-E-R-N are the seven steps of forming a Givers Junto. First one is decide. You have to decide who am I going to have in my group? That's the first thing, right? And the big question is, who? How do you decide that, right? There's like a few interviews back, my first round of interviews, I was helping people understand the difference between givers and takers, and that we don't judge and label people. We look at their deeds. Now, when we say giver, we're not labeling a person. We're saying giver deeds. When we look, when we say taker, we're not labeling the person. We're labeling taker deeds. There's a, an important distinction. So this time through, as we're, as we're teaching people, I, I, I had one guy that said, wow, that's really great stuff. You know, I read this book, said I should have five good people around me. I said, you should. You're right. Question, which five? And all of a sudden, he's staring at me with this blank look. And I said, you see my point? No one's teaching which five, right? What should you be looking for? And it's a skill like anything else. I wasn't born a commercial pilot. I became one because I talked with people smarter than me that knew how to do this stuff, right? So and there's no, I've never met a born, you know, a neurosurgeon. They learned it. It's a skill. And so is discernment in relationships and can have a huge impact. So we have literally a checklist that we give free. We download it, we give it liberally. We want people download it, use it, print it off, put it in your pocket. It's an actual checklist. And on one side, it's got the 25 things that you'll see dig, uh, givers do. And on the other side, you'll see the 25 things you'll see takers and contrast to. And it's just a great personal private checklist. And it has another great thing too, Richard, which is really important. There's an automatic self-assessment part built in there. And I started looking, I go, oh boy, you're sick. I need to work on that one myself, you know? So there's the self-assessment, we call that being deeded. If you're gonna, you know, if you're looking at someone else's deeds and you need, to, we need to look at our own deeds too, right? So you need to become self-deeded uh, and, and look at our own, what are my 25 deeds? And am I doing the things that givers should be doing? And if not, what should I work on? So the first D is decide. What are the what are those things? All right. And we help them with the checklist. Number two, I is invite. You have to invite. How do you invite these people? So we teach them. This is how you invite the people. Here's what you do. And you say up front, there's a expectational agreement we all make and we're all bound by this. And 
If we one of us falls off the rail, we have a conversation about it. And the second time we part ways friends. No problem. It's not a good fit. No problem. Right. So that expectational part becomes part of the glue of holding all of it together. Uh, the S in discern is for seed. And that is we simply explain to them now a giver's junto specifically. Right. I'm talking specifically for that. A junto, you know, we help people form their own, whatever they want to do with it. Right. If they want to form a giver's junto or junto chapter, we have what we call the three pillars and the one intention. These are things we teach people and we say before you can form your own giver's junto chapter or be a member of another one, you need to agree to these three pillars and the one giver's intention. And these are mm -hmm. them. The first three pillars are, the first pillar is the giver's junto credo. And that is give to be great. You can be great by giving. Have to be a taker. To be. Our pledge, which is the second pillar, to help every giver's junto member lead a life of predictive, massive, and exceptional happiness, freedom, and greatness. The third is our labor of love. Every giver's junto has a labor of love, a work that's much larger than them, caused much larger than them to be a part of something greater. And uh, we are actually introducing something this coming fall. And it actually is an amazing systemic approach to literally putting an end to hunger one zip code at a time. And uh, we are unveiling all of that this coming fall. And we're going to be doing that through our Givers Juntos as a part of a greater cause and something spectacular. All right. And in a very systemic approach, a very, this is how we're going to do it. And the, the one intention, because I said there's three pillars, which I just went through, and the one intention that each member before being accepted to a Givers Junto, each member commits to the Givers Contest Intention. And I had one gentleman one time in one interview, he goes, he says, that sounds so spectacular. He said, but it's almost utopian. I said, it's not. I said, it really isn't. And I said, I lived it. So you can't tell me it's utopian. I said, I lived it personally in my life. The key is you have to have those right people who've agreed on things up front expectationally we expect this personally accountable and our 12 members we all expect this and because of that responsibility that holds it together and then they all know up front what's going to happen it's not the the loosey goosey that causes it to disintegrate later on right so the c in discern is convene convene on a regular basis whether it be weekly bi-weekly monthly quarterly have a consistent schedule of convening the e establish a name for the group ben franklin uh you know he had the uh, leather apron club henry ford you know the four vagabond give an identity to the group establish it and give it a name it's critical to the camaraderie of the group you know that there's an identity of this thing that we're all a part of and that's where e is uh, for establishing it r is rotate this is an important part because you know i've seen these groups where they get together and they all have a, a good intention if you will but there's nothing really this is what we're going to do so we actually provide an agenda and then the R is for rotate. Every meeting, there's a new per chairperson. They rotate between all the members and we give them an agenda of what's to be covered and the questions to be asked of the entire group so that it gives it some structure and gives you know an overall, there's an end destination why we're doing all of this and how we're all going to have that predictive, massive, and exceptional happiness, freedom, and great. So Ooh. the R is for rotating different chairs. Uh, and N is for numbers, uh, seed other groups. Someone could be a part of a millionaire junto and an insider junto and to encourage other people to do the exact same thing because we all benefit 
relationship-wise. In a world where companies are opening and closing faster than ever before, products being antiquated overnight by brand new products. I just saw a, a thing today, a BMW came out with a car that changes colors. <laughs> Literally, it changes colors and they showed the whole thing. It's extraordinary. And I thought, man, that's gonna just, that will take the whole car industry and turn it upside down. You know, they call it electronic ink. And, uh, you know, and I thought, man, that's extraordinary. But it's an example of how fast things are changing. So when it's all done, Richard, and for your listeners, what do you have left? Our relationship, when that company comes and goes, when that product comes and goes, when we've built a good, solid relationship and community of others around us, we still have that of what happened. That's why we're committed to helping people do just those very same things. And that is to build their own Junto, their own giver's Junto around them. And we either help them form their own chapter if they want, or connect them to another existing giver's Junto, or they just want to form their own Junto. God bless them. We're going to help them just as much. And remind me what the S stands for. S is for seed. Uh, seed the Junto. And that's where basically you get the expectational agreements. You plant the seeds and you say, these are the three pillars. And this is the one contest intention that we all agree on up front. So we plant those four seeds and they have to agree and that, you know, they're fertile ground, if you will. The contest intention may be removing home hunger from a zip code. It might be uh, a dollar it, it, amount. For sure, for sure. Being raised for charity. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, and, and you know, there's a lot of great organizations. You know, there's some that help dogs and love dogs, ones for children. And, and, and we teach people, again, how to discern the difference between a giver's community and a taker's community. And, and how do you build your own? Because, you know, at a very, at a very inside level, Everyone longs to want to have people around them where they don't feel they have to be protecting themselves. They don't want to have to feel like they're second guessing them. Right. You want to feel safety and you want to feel trust. And, and so then uh, you can give freer because you don't feel you're being exposed, right? You don't feel like you have to hold back and feel because you've got the right group around and everyone's the accountability is agreed upon up. Right. Which builds trust, which brings security, which brings, you know, more connectivity and health and happiness. You know, a lot of my work is about connecting my clients to greater communities or to bigger parts of themselves where they might get more of their needs met to remove the isolation, right, of being surrounded by takers. So tell us, EA, before we have to sign off and get you back, you know, five public speaking engagements before lunch. So tell us more about, you know, how can people get a hold sure. of your learning and, and learning about givers communities and, and the curriculum and for sure, for sure. Know, how they can stay in touch with you. Real simple. Let's go to our website, plural givers, giversuniversity.com. Go right there. Uh, and uh, they'll see on every page. They can sign up for our newsletter. We have a free newsletter. We, we're not spammers. I hate that. You know, I sign up for something and like I'm getting six emails a day from them. And I go, Unsubs so we, we basically what they're going to receive is they're going to receive an email right away that says, do you want to talk with these people? because we're not spammers, they have to say yes. Once they do that, then they're going to be receiving two hours later that first 25 deeds checklist that I mentioned. And if two hours after they say yes, they're gonna, it's going to show up in their email. We want them. It's free, downloaded, printed off. Begin using and learning the skill of how to discern others' deeds. So they're going to get that free checklist two hours after they sign up, right? And they got to watch your email to make sure they say yes, otherwise they won't. 
they'll get that. And then every Thursday after that, uh, Richard, they receive, we send out a short email. It's nothing detailed. It's only once a week, Thursday morning. And it's called the Giver's Toolbox. And every week, what we strive to do is give them a brand new Giver's Tool that they can add into their relationship toolbox on a weekly basis every thursday morning literally it's like a three or four minute read usually maybe it might be a two minute clip in there that they can, uh, that they could see as well and we walk them through to because that's our goal and our intention as givers university also separately if they just want if they want to learn about the juntos as well they can go to our website go to the upper right hand corner to the hamburger click on that and then uh, go there and then they'll see a tab that says givers junto they can click on that tab and then go to that page and it actually will uh, explain to them that gives them options. I, I'd like to form a, a giver's, you know, greater Junto. I'd like to be a chapter founder. I'd like a, an insider Junto chapter founder. I'd like to be a millionaire Junto chapter founder, or I want to be connected to any one of those. So they just do that, click on submit, and then we'll be back in contact with them and we'll help them. I've got to tell you, we've got, I've got a meeting in a couple of weeks with a guy from Sydney, Australia, that says he wants to form a giver's Junto in his area. And he says, we, you know, we really need it. And I thought, you know, that it's so great to have that kind of impact and positive way in knowing how we're really helping out there and how it just comes back in so many wonderful, glorious ways. So that's it. Just go to the Givers University. From there, they find out we have online courses and other things. Little by little, they learn about us. Our, our intention is to help them and to invest in them so heavy that you know, they just think Givers University is the best thing ever. And uh, and that and the way that we help people and the greater works that we want to make available in the future. So, Richard, thank you. And, and if I can, in sort of in closing, uh, and I like to sort of finish. There's three things my mentor talked me into over four decades to saying to myself every day. And these three things I committed to him that I would, and I started doing it, and I've done it every day. And it helped me through the ebbs and tides of fortunes, the ebbs and tides of things working perfectly and looking like everything was against me at the same moment. And, and, and these three things were powerful things he taught me to say to myself every day. So I pray your listeners hear these things, and they, they listen to your podcast over a number of times. And, and those three things are, I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. And it's really powerful because the things we say to ourselves, our first relationship is to ourselves. I tell everyone the first place we need to direct our love and support is to ourselves. That's right. That's we're self-fulfilling self prophecies. You know, we really are. And, uh, you know, we, we were given that right by God as, you know, freedom of choice and that freedom of choice. People don't realize that includes our thoughts and how those manifest in our life every day. Richard, you're obviously, you're, you're an amazing guy. And from what you've told me, even before we were talking here, you, uh, you are truly a giver. And uh, and I look forward to a, a, a lasting relationship with you and being able to help and support the things you're doing in your life. And uh, for your listeners, if you know someone being a little takerish, share this podcast with them. You never know, it might open up their mind. And next thing you know, you're stomping out one less fire because they've realized, yeah, there's maybe something they could be working on too. So thank you for having me on your great show, Richard. Thank, thank you. you for being a wealth of knowledge and care and of, of history of mentorship and for extending this opportunity for my listeners and community to learn what it's like to be healthy, learn what it's like to be givers, to learn the seven steps, to learn these three affirmations to say themselves, because being connected is the true abundance, the true wealth of living. And it's the best antidepressant I can think of 2022. 
So uh, thank you. I look forward to uh, having continued discussions uh, down the road. And Thank you so much for having me on your show, Roger. Thank you, EA. What a treat, EA Tolkovitz. What a treat, what a gift, what a man. Learn what it's like to become a part of a giver's community. Learn what it's like to discern, to decide, to invite, plant the seed, conceive, establish a name, rotate, and build numbers, and learn the 25 good deeds checklist by tuning in, checking out Givers University on YouTube, checking out their website, and practice the three affirmations to say to yourself daily so you can always win. Uh, I will never give up. I will always rise up. I will always come. Profound words from E.A. Solkovitz. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, or Instagram, Richard Listens. Hey, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out.